0: Thanks, John Mark. Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace Bible Church. My name is Jared Perry. If we've not met before, I'm the youth pastor here at Grace. Uh, excited to be with you guys this morning. And we are going to be jumping back into our study on the book of Ephesians. So uh, if you have your Bibles, we'd love for you to open up with us uh, Ephesians chapter 3 today. As we look at this book that's talking about our life being alive together. We're going to look in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians, one of Paul's letters to this church in Ephesus. Coming after the Gospels and after Acts, but before we get to Hebrews, James, and the Revelation. So I'm going to read for you starting in verse 14. The Scripture says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly Then all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come and study your word, to look at these words that you gave to Paul and to seek to understand them in order that we might grow in our knowledge of you And our understanding of you and your love. Father, I pray that this morning would be beneficial for us no matter where we are, no matter what this weekend has looked like, or this week, or this semester, or this season of our life. Father, that you would speak through those circumstances. And I want to ask you to pray for yourself this morning. We're going to talk about the love of Christ. And I don't know where you are in your faith. But I'd ask you to take a second and pray that God would help you to understand the love of Christ more deeply this morning. I also want, you to, I want to ask you to pray that for those around us, right? If you know their names, use their names. But pray for the people in this room, the people who are here at 915, that the Lord would teach them what the love of Christ is in a deeper way. Finally, if you'll take a second and pray for me. I get so tempted up here to try and be cool or be funny, and um, not that I can't be those things, but, um, well, maybe. But uh, ultimately, just pray that Christ and His love would be the thing that I am expressing today, that it wouldn't get caught up in any of my own ambition. But Father, we ask these things in hope, and we pray them in faith. We ask them in your Son's name and by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Like I said, we're glad you're here this morning. My name is Jerry Perry. I work with our youth ministry here. And, and working with our youth ministry has been phenomenal. I love our students. I love our staff. Uh, but it's also been incredibly humbling and probably uh, has not at times been the healthiest thing for me personally because uh, walking back through the halls of a high school or a junior high going to lunch puts me back in a place that's not necessarily my best memories, okay? Like you go back to those moments when you're walking through the halls and you're walking through the lunchroom and you're trying to figure out who you're going to sit with. Is anybody going to come sit with you? Like, are you going to be by yourself? And what are the people going to think? And what about what I'm wearing? Does this look cool? And all of a sudden I'm going, wait, I'm 30. Okay, this is not something that I'm supposed to be processing right now. And yet that happens, right? Like for me, I get in that moment and and. I'm there with our students who I love and I'm there with our staff, but I, there's still this question in my heart about, am I going to be accepted? What is this going to look like? Am I going to find uh, the true community and the friendships that I'm looking for? Y'all, I ask that with my, my wife who loves me and who's amazing. Like I struggle with that even within my marriage. My wife has over and over again not just on our wedding day, but throughout our marriage has shown me how much she loves me and how much she cares. And yet I still find that I personally just have this tendency to question and be insecure. It's really, really difficult because I I look for these relationships and I look at these people and and I'm wondering like, what's going to be the thing that I do that's going to cause us to falter? What's the thing that I do that's going to cause us distance or separation? And so maybe it's not insecurity for you. Maybe there's something else that drives you relationally. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's control. I don't know what it is, but all of us have our things that relationally drive us, that relationally scare us, and that lead us to be motivated to view our relationships based upon what we bring to the table, what we can do to make sure that we have that love and attention and affection that we need. And for, me, for some of us, if you're like me, like I grew up in a, gr- a great family, like my parents were around, right? Like my, um, my aunts and uncles and grandparents all lived in the same town. We all went to the same church. We all ate KFC after church every day. It was awesome, right? Like every Sunday we either went to KFC or Casa Olay and it was beautiful. Okay. I was in heaven. It was wonderful. We had a great time, but just because we had all that family doesn't mean that I wasn't insecure. Just because I saw the love or heard about the love or knew about the love that I had, it doesn't mean that I wasn't insecure. We are jumping into the next section, and we are reaching a turning point in the book of Ephesians. Paul has been... Giving us a theological, almost excursus, like he's been laying out some incredible theological um, ideas and concepts here. Everything from, here's what it means for us to be saved. It means that you were totally depraved. It means that you were dead in your sins and trespasses. And now you are made alive by grace through faith. And And we're going to lay this out. We're going to talk about unity Within the church, we're going to talk about how your gender, your ethnicity, your—it uh, doesn't matter—all those things. Whenever we're in Christ, we become united in Him, and so we've had three chapters of Paul laying out heavy, heavy theological things, and we're about to turn to him talking about what it looks like to walk in those truths, to live those truths out. But before he does, Paul is going to give us one very clear idea, an idea that that many of us, maybe we would know or we'd say, yeah, that's true, but this seems incredibly important to him, is because Paul knows our nature. As we talk about the surpassing love of Christ today, we're going to see that Paul says that we are called to pray that we would know the love of Christ. That's pretty Christian-y, right? Like, that's pretty safe for a church service, Right? We should pray that we know the love of Christ. That seems basic. It seems like something they teach my kindergartner in Sunday school, and they should. But it's something also we need to know and learn. It's incredibly important. Because if you're like me, you know there's insecurities in you. And that just because you've heard or just because you might have known about the love of Christ, it doesn't mean that you're secure. And Paul wants his church The church in Ephesus, he wants Christ's church, us, to walk in this truth. So let's see what he prays for in this section. First, for the surpassing of Christ, Paul prays that we'd be strengthened by the Spirit. I'm going to start in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Okay, so we've got a couple things going on here. First, in those first two verses, Paul is laying out, he's praying to the Father, right? Like this isn't just him using his words or using his language to try and get people on board, which honestly is a little convicting to me, right? As a guy who works in ministry, I can't tell you how often something is going on with one of my friends or something is going on with one of our staff or one of our students, and I run to, let me go buy you a Chick-fil-A milkshake because... Chick-fil-A makes everyone better, right? Like, it makes everything better. Let me go buy this food for you, or let me sit down and say this one thing that I know the Lord gave to me, and so I know that will fix all of your problems as well. Like, let me do it. And Paul looks at this issue in the Ephesians church, this issue that we have ourselves, and he says the only answer to this is to seek our God in heaven. Because why? Why? That according to the riches of his glory, Paul appeals to the riches of God. We so often turn to our finite human riches. The things that we have, which maybe there's some good. Like maybe there's some things that you've learned or some things that you have to bring. But they're finite. They're not capable of meeting the needs that you the people around us are struggling with, and Paul realizes this and shows us before we can go and try and meet the needs of other people with our finite riches, we must seek the abundant riches of the glory of our God. And so he prays. He prays that God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, strengthen is a word that we think of, and you might think CrossFit, or maybe you try not to think CrossFit. I get it, all right? I've been there, okay? We think about physical strength. We think about how much can you bench press, or how much can you lift, bro, or like, what does it look like? And that's not what we're talking about here. When he's talking about strength, he's talking about an inner strength. He's talking about that inner fortitude, that ability to overcome. And again, we are finite creatures, And so Paul is saying, you are going to be limited. You don't have the ability to be strong enough. And so you need the strength of the Spirit. You need a supernatural strength to come in and rescue you and save you. And so this power of the Spirit is something we're desperate for because we are weakened. And there's things in this life that we need strength for internally. For me, it's a lot of things, right? On the dumb level, right? Like it's spiders. I know that's like totally Ron Weasley-esque and I get it. That's a problem. But like I hate creepy crawly things. They freak me out. My wife and I spent some time in Ireland and we were uh, serving with a missionary organization over there. And there were spiders that were crawling in our tent at night because we were sleeping like in this tent in a sheep field. And I would literally, before I go to bed, I had to go around and kill every spider I could see or else I would not be able to sleep. I would have been awake the whole night. I'm also afraid of eye stuff. Anybody else, like, you're freaked out by eye stuff? Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So much so that, like, I still have nightmares whenever I was in junior high. One of our band directors, um, her contact, like, went up in her eye, like, up over, and they had to, like, go to the hospital and, like, get it out with I don't know what, because I don't want to imagine that thing anywhere close to my eyeball. I freak out. When I was little, I don't know what I got in my eye, and you'll see why in a moment. I got something in my eye, and my mom was having to get it out with a Kleenex. Like, just like, like, roll a Kleenex up and try and get it out. And I just screamed. Like, I was losing it. My dad had to come in and hold me down by the shoulders on their bed so that they could get whatever it was out of my eye. That still wasn't enough because I was, like, kicking my mom as hard as I could because I just lost it. My little brother had to come in and hold my legs down too. So it's like a whole family event when I've got some eye thing. Because why? Because I don't have the strength to deal with that. And it's silly and it's crazy. And yeah, Jared, that's not a big deal. Like, what are you afraid of? But I don't have that inner strength to cope. And I don't know what your things are. And certainly there are much more serious things that we deal with. Because of trauma in our life or because of personal issues, whatever it may be. There are things within us that we don't have the inner strength to cope with. And if you want to try and push through, if you want to try and be faithful and persevere through that, the reality is you can't do it. And Paul knows this. And he tells you not to run to other people who are flawed. He tells you not to run to yourself. Yes, those things aren't bad. They, like, they can be good. But first and foremost, we must run to our God. That according to the riches of his glory, he may give us power and strength in our inner being. And so we pray. And he prays for strength. But not only does he pray for strength, that we'd be strengthened by the Spirit. He'd pray that our heart is a home. This is kind of weird, but I want you to check this out. So that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, I don't know where you've been kind of as far as like what your, um, how much time you've spent in church, but this is an idea that might throw some people off because we believe that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, that the Son of God is seated at the right hand of the Father and that the Spirit, because our God is three persons in one essence, is dwelling inside of us. And so, Jared, this looks a little confusing. What's going on here? Well, this is a place where this Greek term for dwell isn't exactly helpful, right? We think dwell and we think about where I'm going to stay, right? Like where is where my housing, okay? Like this isn't Jesus looking for a three-bedroom, two-bath to sublease, right? Like he's not trying to figure out where he's going to crash for the summer, right? That's not what's going on. This is something more than just where does Jesus reside. This is where is Christ at home? Where is he comfortable? Yes, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, but Paul is praying that by the power of God, Christ would be comfortable dwelling, making a home in our hearts. It's a big, big statement. Because it says something about our God. It says that he cares about you enough that he wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. But also, it's bigger than it seems to us. Because so many of us, our faith has been presented as, did you have this one moment where you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And if you did, if you have had that moment, that's awesome. You do have a secure relationship with the Father for all eternity. But God wants so much more with you. And he wants you to have so much more from him. He wants you to have regular interactions. He wants you to be comfortable and at home with him. I think about my friends in high school, one of my best friends uh, I grew up with and then uh, lived with in college. And we've been friends for a long time. Uh, His house was like a second home for us. I mean, there were days that I would just, instead of going to my house, I would go back to his house. His parents weren't home. Okay. We just snuck in the back window. Like uh, it was no big deal. We ate whatever food we wanted. We would like take off our shoes and do whatever we wanted because it was just Derek's like, that's just what we did on the flip side the girl I was dating senior year, like that was not the case. Okay. Like, and not because her family wasn't kind, but like, I wanted to make a good impression. Right. So I go over to their house and I'm trying to remember which fork I'm supposed to use. And like, don't put my elbows on the table. And if you need to go to the bathroom, there's one you can do and one you're definitely not going to do over there. Right. Like that's kind of how that works. Like you just got to be aware of the situation. Like in one place, yeah, you're home, but in another place, eh, you might be comfortable, but you're not really home. Right. You're not really home, but here's the beautiful thing about that: what happens when your heart is a home for Christ? When you become comfortable with Him and He becomes comfortable with you, that you being rooted and grounded in love. See, the result of this is that you become rooted and grounded. Now, as Texas A&M University students, rooted should resonate with us, right? We get the agricultural reference in this word. Rooted takes work. If you want a plant or you want a tree or you want something to get good roots into the ground, you've got to do some work, right? You've got to dig, you've got to water, you've got to do some good work to get that plant to be rooted and then it becomes healthy and then it grows. And there's some times it needs maintenance, right? There's some times you've got to check in on it. There's some times you might have to prune it. Times you need to water it. We get that idea grounded is an idea that I I don't know that we think of. I think when you think grounded, you think like on the ground. Um, So, uh, but this is really talking more about foundation. This is really more of a building term, a construction term. When we say grounded, we're talking about laying a strong foundation, which again is a term that requires a lot of work. It doesn't just happen. Foundations don't just appear. You've got to measure and be precise. You've got to, Lay the concrete well. Like everything has to be excellently done in order to have a firm foundation. So Paul's saying, we pray that we will make Christ a home in our hearts so that in that process, and as we wrestle with that reality, that we'd have roots and we'd be grounded, that we'd have a good foundation. Now listen, that's difficult. Because it's easy here in church to say, yes, I want Christ... To, to be at home in my heart, like that kind of seems like a thing that we'd sing in some worship song, like at a youth retreat, right? Like, but that's not necessarily an easy thing. <clears throat> it means inviting Christ in. That means taking him as he is and letting him bring his truths and his realities into your life when there's some areas that he's going to go, no, 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 that's not okay. And for him to be at home there, you don't get to just close that door, Right? And just say, oh, that's the study. You don't go in there. Well, he's not at home. He's a guest. For Christ to be at home, it means he has owner. He's, he's like a co-owner. He's there. And it means every part of your life becomes a part that he has access to. And I don't know about you, but there's even parts in my life that I go, yeah, I'm not so sure about that, right? I feel a little bit more comfortable inviting you over for dinner. Paul says no. The love of Christ depends not only on our prayer to be strengthened by the Spirit, but also on our willingness to invite Christ in to have the truths of Him and His Word wrestle with every aspect of our existence. So we saw this in college. Uh, I was dating my now wife, Abby, who's amazing, and her roommates thought I was less amazing than I thought she was amazing. So that created some problems. Um, I remember the first time, and I'm going to tell you right now, everything turned out great, okay, on all the ends, okay? But like, I remember the first time I met the first one where I think she might have like, she didn't ask for my social security number, but it was kind of like that. Like we were getting on the edge of, are you doing a background check on me? That's possible right now. Um, the first time I met her, like hardly any introduction, uh, other moments where Abby went home and told her roommates, Hey, uh, Jared told me he loves me. He wants to marry me. And one got up and left the room. And the other one said, uh, are you guys getting too physical? That was their first reaction. And I'm like, well, maybe something better. It would have been like, Hey, congrats. But then like, I don't know. It was just so weird for me that this was their framework for us. Like that this was what they thought of me. And so I never wanted to go over to her house. Like I did not want to go pick her up even because I was like, I'm so uncomfortable with your roommates. Now, listen, guys, I could not say more about their character. Each one of them have since come and like made amends there. And we are totally reconciled, but it was this weird moment. Because I just wasn't comfortable. And so, I mean, my roommates, there was a different question about comfortability. But, like, we would have to go hang out at, like, our house and, like, do different things and be out. Because it just, I didn't feel comfortable over there. I just, I didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't feel like I was accepted. And so, I didn't want to be there. The reality is that Christ wants to be present. Christ wants to be present in your heart. He wants his truth and realities to be with you and in you, and he wants you to wrestle with them and deal with them in the same way that anybody else that you live with, you wrestle with and deal with the conflict. But When you begin to shut stuff off, parts of you or parts of your life off, all of a sudden Christ becomes a visitor, and he's not at home. And so Paul prays, be strengthened by the Spirit, but also... May your heart be a home to Jesus Christ. And Finally, he prays that the Ephesians would be able to understand. Look in verse 16. Having been rooted and grounded in love, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Uh, Again, this strength term is confusing for us. Um, this is not physical strength but this also is a different greek word than the strength that we saw earlier in the passage we're not talking about that inner strength that, that inner fortitude we're talking about actual ability here that seems weird jared that you may have that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath yeah but this shouldn't shock us right How many times in the New Testament do we see Jesus was out and he was doing a miracle or he was saying something that seemed so abundantly clear about how great he is. But the religious people at that time, the Pharisees, don't get it. And Jesus will say, he who has ears let him hear and eyes let him see. He will present this reality of there are things that we just don't get. Even though they are plain as day in front of us, that because we are fallen and broken creatures, because our intellect is not our Savior, we need to pray that we'd be able to understand the love of Christ Jesus. The breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and you get this sense that he's almost like rambling, right? but it's long and it's wide and it's deep and it's tall and it's high and like all these things because the love of Christ is so majestic. It is unsurpassed. And so as Paul prays for the Ephesians, he prays not just that the Spirit would strengthen them, he prays not just that Christ would be at home in their hearts through supernatural work, but also that supernaturally Christ would allow them to understand And maybe you resonate with that. Maybe you know a lot of church things. Maybe you've heard, whether you've grown up in church or even you've just visited or had some church friends, you've heard some of these terms about Christianity and what it believes. But understanding it, grasping it, believing it, that's another question. That's another question. And here's the thing I love about this verse as well. The thing that seems to be so individualistic and so uh, just personal, what I believe about God and Jesus' love, notice what he says, that you may have the ability or the strength or be able to comprehend with all the saints. This is not something we do on our own. This is not something you do by yourself. You don't come to your own understanding of who God is and what he's done for you. It's something we do within community because it's just better there. It's just better there. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a... Like, uh, my family's dealt with medical things. Or personally, in high school, I was wrestling with my insecurities. And I've wrestled with those things on my own. And yes, God is infinite. And yes, we are finite. But God created us to work through these things in community. And so the surpassing love of Christ, Paul prays that we would understand by being strengthened by the Spirit, by our heart being our home, and by being able to understand the love of Christ. So what is that love? And The reality is that uh, many of us have heard this story, but regardless of where you are, whether you know it and believe it or you're not sure and you're just here with a friend because they made you get up after a football game, like I get it, but like the reality is no matter where you are in your faith, for all of us, the best next step we could take is to understand more the love that Christ has for us. And y'all, there's been times in my life where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But I don't actually feel or sense that need. And that's one of the most dangerous places we can be at as believers. It's why Paul is praying here. Because the last thing, the worst thing for these Ephesians would have been for them to be complacent in their understanding of who Christ is. Because let me remind you of our story that our God created a world that he ordered it and set it up to be good and the relationships between male and females were supposed to be good and the relationship between humanity and this earth was, was good. It was very good. And God had set this thing in motion that was going to be great, right? The world that he created was going to be great and yet humanity brought chaos and destruction into it. Humanity looked at what God had made and said, I think I can do better I think if I know, I can do better. And so a man and a woman brought chaos and destruction into that thing that God created. They totally broke it. These hurricanes that hit our nation, that is not our God. That's not how he created this world to work. That is sin. That is the sin that came into this earth because humanity was arrogant enough to believe that we knew better than God. And in doing so, broke the ordered beauty that God had made. And so we wrestled over and over and over again to try and fix ourselves. And we brought more destruction and more death and more pain into our lives and in the lives of others. And you know what God did? He looked at us, and instead of looking at us and saying, you better figure it out. You broke it. You better figure it out. His son, Jesus, looked at us and said, I'll go and save them. And this isn't save like, like saving private Ryan or like, well, a little bit like saving private Ryan. But this isn't save like Rambo or something where like you come out the hero at the end, right? Like the guy's like maybe got a scar, but he gets the girl and then everything's all right. This is the deal where the guy goes to die and he knows it going in. It's not like likely he's going to die. It's not possible that he could die. It is, I know I am going to die for these people. And I'm not going out of duty. I'm not going out of honor. I'm going out of love. Because I love them. And you know what? Some of them are still going to hate me. And some of them are still going to shun me. But I'm going to go anyway and I will go. And he lived a perfect life on this earth. For 33 years, he lived a perfect life on this earth. And what he got for it was... A horrible beating. And a death that was as excruciating as anything we've ever come up with within human history. And he didn't just do it just for fun. He did it out of love. The love of Christ compelled him to save us. And so he died and he rotted in that grave for three days. And then he rose again so that by grace through faith, we might be saved, not through anything that we can do. There is nothing that we can do, but by God's work, we may through faith have salvation. And that salvation isn't just about us like being better. Okay. Notice that when we are saved, it's not just about, okay, now i fixed creation. That's a byproduct of it. But do you know what the ultimate driver was? God wanted to be back in restored relationship with His creation. He said, I love you so much that I'll do whatever it takes to reconcile with you. That's the love of Christ. And He is patient. And He has paid for your sins, but He is patient as He watches you over and over again struggle with the same things. And He's there no so matter where you are in your faith story, that's who Jesus is. And so Paul says, I pray that you would understand that love, that your life would be consumed with understanding that love. And so this morning, we're going to celebrate that sacrifice by taking communion. I'm going to ask the men to go back. I'm going to ask John Mark to come up and play a little bit. But here's the deal. This isn't a big, like, application Sunday. This isn't a big day where I tell you to go out and do something specific. Now, maybe one of these things resonated with you, okay? Maybe you look and go, Jared, I've been trying to live on my own inner strength, right? I've been trying to just be strong enough on my own. And you're right. Like, I need to rely on the Spirit. uh, maybe, Maybe there have been parts of your life where you have let sin or your own beliefs about how this world should work or what you want or what you need or what God owes you, or what's right, or what's actually love, corner parts of your life off from Christ. And so maybe this morning you're going, hey, look, I I know I need to deal with that. Like, I know Christ doesn't feel comfortable in in here, right? Or maybe the deal is knowledge. Maybe you're here at a Bible church, and you're here at Texas A&M University, and you are so consumed with your ability to understand. You go, man, I need to remember that God is so much more infinite than me. That's great, and you should walk into those things. You should move into the community in those things. But let me tell you that ultimately the call here is to remember Christ's love because you can't fix any of those things on your own. You just can't. And so we're going to do two things today. One, we're going to celebrate communion as the men come down when they're ready. Uh, We're going to celebrate communion because this is what Christ himself told us to do. That when we gather together, we eat of this bread and drink of this cup to remind us of the sacrifice that he gave. This is a celebration. Yes, it's a remembrance and yes, we want to be respectful but this is a celebration of Christ's love for us. And the other thing we're going to do is we're going to pray. If there's something there that you need to deal with, that's great. I want you to do that but I also do not want you to leave this time without having prayed for the other people who are part of this space and part of this church and part of this community because this text tells us that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray that all of us, not just us as an individual, but that all of us would come to know the love of God and come to know the love of Christ because he paid it all. So we're going to take communion now. What is the love of Christ? For I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Paul's response to the surpassing love of Christ is this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever, amen. So we're going to give him some glory this morning. We're going to close by singing together that as the church, we're going to sing and remember our Christ and what he's done.